0: International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. That's 1-8888-ASK-CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host.
1: And hello everybody, I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in today from Mike Kessler it's so good to be with you on this uh well in my neck of the woods it's cold and it's thursday afternoon and uh it's definitely going to get freezing tonight but you know it is what it is but i'm co-hosting with uh, a pastor who is not experiencing any such thing daryl skinner coming from (laughs) hawaii and i told him if 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 you're watching on facebook or any of the video forums we have he's wearing a hawaiian shirt and i need sunglasses just to look at. And, uh, but it's a very, very beautiful, colorful Hawaii shirt. But great to have you with us, Darrell. And before we chat just a minute, let me give the number. The announcers is already, already given it. But uh, here it is again, 8888-ASK-CSN. If you've got a Bible question, we're here to answer it for you as best we can. When we went off the show yesterday, uh, we had several people hanging on. I hated to have to, to go and leave them that way. So, If uh, you were one of those, uh, give us a call back. We'll get right to you. And uh, again, 8888 Ask csn is the number. And I am pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, looking forward to a great, great show today. I really have an anticipation that God's going to bless us, and we're going to come away richer for having gotten into his word. So, Darrell. Uh, speaking of that shirt, um, <laughs> you can only have bought that shirt in Hawaii. It's got to have every color in the spectrum in it. But it's good to have you with us, Daryl.
2: Truly, it is one of my favorite shirts, Jeff. <laughs> and it's great to be with you from hawaii and yes we are we're it's a cold day it's about 79 degrees oh, here please. in in, in the, the the dead of winter almost you know in december <laughs> no we're having a great time we've got beautiful weather it's hawaii what can i say someone has to suffer out here and so but i'm looking forward to this program all the great questions come in from all All the listeners out there, we hope they will be able to grow in their faith, draw closer to Jesus, learn more about their Heavenly Father as our Creator God and who loves us tremendously and the hope of eternal life. So, Jeff, it's great to be on with you today. Looking forward to the program. Amen.
1: You know, you and I were chatting before the show uh, how America has just gone in a direction that's hard for us to wrap our minds around and uh, not getting political at all, just just the moral condition of america is it's shocking daryl it's um yes you know wrong is right and right is wrong and if you don't agree with wrong being right then you're a bigot you're this you're that you're the other you're sometimes violence is is uh happens to you for disagreeing with the moral stance or i should say the immoral stance of so many people today if you you know if you're a A woman and want to say you're a man, we've got to agree with you. If you're a man and you want to say you're a woman, we have to agree with you or be called all kinds of names. And, you know, our children under attack in the schools with uh, just moral degeneracy. And it's hard, Daryl, to look at all this unless you look up. And when you look up, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when you look up, then that's really the only stance I can take to keep my sanity. Get your nose in the word of God and look up by faith uh, unto Jesus, who started our faith, will end our faith, will carry us to heaven one day soon. And remembering that um, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Amen. The days of Noah, as you know, Daryl, were... Uh, and the Bible says the earth was filled with violence, and that moral perversion was the order of the day. So here we are.
2: We are we are sure, certainly there, Jeff, and as, as the Lord has spoken, which continues to affirm our faith, in the last days it'd also be like Sodom and Gomorrah. We see that more than ever throughout uh, the world and into our nation. And you know, uh, the thing that everyone needs to understand, uh, hopefully they understand, our heart's desire is for all people to be saved, no matter no matter their uh, their persuasion of life, their lifestyle. But we must all come to a place of repentance. You go from unbelief to belief, and when you come to belief, then you believe in God, the God of the Bible who has ordained certain things, such as marriage between a man and a woman, spoken of of the what we call the law first mentioned in the book of Genesis. And when you're born a little boy, a baby boy, you're going to grow up to be a man. The same as a little girl, you're going to grow up to be a beautiful young lady. And this is so vitally important because we know that Satan is is in complete rebellion against God and everything God has created. But yet uh, the Lord said, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. He told us to build our house upon the rock. And when the storms come, we will not, we will not collapse. We will not be destroyed. And that, that strength comes, as you just shared, from the word of God knowing God's Word, trusting in God's Word, and watching Him work in and through our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit is is a powerful thing. You know, the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth, and we have the truth of God's Word that keeps us sane and, and strong and healthy as believers in these very last days before the great tribulation, before the coming of the Antichrist. Of course, the rapture will take place before the tribulation, and we're looking forward to that. So, we just realized, once again, as the Lord has spoken, we're living in the very last of the last days. And the Lord, is His second coming is, is very, very soon. Jeff?
1: Amen. Well, you get two preachers together. We get preached
0: the whole time. So we're going <laughs> go right to, the, the, uh, to uh, we're gonna go to the
1: questions. We're going to go to the questions. i got <laughs> Teresa uh, calling from your neck of the woods, Daryl, Hawaii. Hello, Teresa. How can we help? You?
3: Hi. 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 Um, I'm calling hey because... Uh, about a month ago my granddaughter let me know that she was getting married and then i found out he is a muslim man and so i started talking to her and explained to her that it was a false religion and she said that she's already converted to islam and so i'm trying to keep the lines of communication open with her to share christ with her but i just wanted to get some advice on how do i deal with this she was not a christian before she converted to islam And so now that's the religion that she has chosen. And I really don't know, I'm trying to have her tell me what she believes so that I can interject Christ into it. But I really just, I'm kind of at a loss as to how I can help her.
1: Well, uh, first of all, I would say, I I like to approach people with the scriptures, uh, but, the way you do it matters so much. You know, people don't need to be talked at. They need to be talked to. And so often, uh, you know, Christians kind of get that preachy tone to their voice and a, a condescending attitude. You immediately lose that person. If she is, is claiming to have just become a Muslim, then this, uh, this man that she's seeing and that she intends to marry, uh, clearly was the, uh, the person that was used to to bring her that direction. Um, and so, of course, we all know the Bible scriptures that talk about being not unequally yoked. But that's not really the case if she's considering herself now a Muslim. So the second thing that I would do is I would go to just the truth about Islam. You know, the only way you can convert to Islam is to, be, to have it candy-coated for you. You, you have to have it airbrushed. It's got to be something where people are painting a good face on it and making it sound like something that makes sense, logical sense, uh, good sense, and uh, that it's a good thing to be involved in. And, um, you know, all this about Mohammed being a prophet and so on and so forth. And so if it's not painted in a good light, nobody's going to convert, but it is painted in a good light. So what I like to do is just bring the facts to a person. And it doesn't take long to find out the facts. If you just go back into, and and these days of social media, it's so easy to do, you can Google this. But Google the history of Islam. Google Muhammad, and see how he started. And that he was a warlord from the start. That Islam was birthed in violence from the very get-go. It spread through violence. It gained steam through violence. It was a, a violent religion. The Quran is full of orders to be violent to people, to, uh, as it calls them, infidels. And if you if you take the truth of what's in the Quran and what the history of Islam is, going back to Muhammad where it began, and, and share that truth in a spirit of humility, uh, but firmness and say, look, let's look at this. This is how this started. If the... If as go as is the root so goes the fruit and the root of islam is dark it's violent it's um it's 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 been a dreadful religion from the get go and uh, so that's how i would approach it and just say okay so uh, i don't know what your granddaughter's name is but just say sweetie can you tell me how you respond to what i've just told you what do you think about what i've just told you and if she tries to say, well, that's not the way I understand it, say, well, the Quran can't be wrong. This is the Quran. This is what they study. And here are the verses that tell you as a Muslim to be violent. Uh, and here is the history of Islam. There's no way around it. So please consider what I've shown you. That's, that's the, the direction that I would go instead of trying to make some kind of an emotional appeal. Daryl, your thoughts.
2: Well, you know, as you just shared, you know, the the history of Islam is is violent. It is uh, uh, it is, is enslavement. Uh, They're in the slavery. They. I think I read a website that keeps track of the amount of uh, people that Islam has killed in its history. It's uh, last I checked, it was about two hundred forty million people, and and it's it's something that you number one, you need just continue to pray for your daughter and her. Uh, I think you said the husband to be, I think, fiance or they, yeah, they're going to get married and and just pray for them and that the Lord would touch their hearts. There's a lot right now. There's a lot of Muslims coming to Christ, even in Iran, which is probably the most radical uh, part of Islam, which is the Shiite Islamic belief system. There's Sunnis and there's Shiites and uh, the Shiites are mainly in Iran and Iran's going through a lot of uh, turmoil right now. We need to be praying for uh, for the folks there in Iran. God wants to save all people. But you do look at Iran, and, you know, there's the things of where Iran and its Shiite belief systems and uh, other Muslims, they want to see Israel wiped off the face of the earth. And that we're referred to as the great Satan, uh, these United States. So there's a lot of things you can share. There is a good uh, publishing company called Rose Publishing, and they do have some articles on Islam, and they're brief articles. You're not going to get lost in a lot of verbiage. You might go there. In fact, they even have some pamphlets that you could easily hand over to your granddaughter and and, uh, help her to have some clarity of thought when it comes to what is Christianity all about, what is Islam all about, how do they compare. There's also a, a publication about uh, various religions, uh, from Islam to to uh, religions to cults. Uh, they have another pamphlet on that, and it gives you a synopsis of what each one believes, how they were started, and, and then what does Christianity have to say. And I think the power of prayer, the love of Christ, and truth coming to her heart, uh, hopefully it'll set the captive free. And that'll be our prayer. Maybe, Jeff, why don't we just pray for her right now and before we would hang up the phone and and uh, ask for a powerful work of God within her granddaughter's heart.
1: Why don't you go ahead and pray, girl?
2: All righty. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. We lift up Teresa's granddaughter, Lord Jesus, who is, uh says she's going to marry this Muslim man and she's converted to Islam. Uh, Lord, you have brought forth truth. You've brought forth love. You've brought forth uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. We just pray for this Young lady, Lord, that she would uh, be open to hear from her grandmother and open to hear the truth of the Christian faith. And Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to Father except through me. And that even right now, Lord, even in this day and even in this night, that you would just uh, do a powerful work of ministering to her heart and the strongholds of Satan and his lies through the deceptions of Islam would be broken. And that uh, she would come to faith in, in you, Lord Jesus, as well as her, uh, her husband to be, he too would be converted. So, Father, use each and every Christian as a beautiful light of your love and truth to share with all people, Lord, throughout the world. And we just lift up this salvation to you now in Jesus' name. And may you bless uh, Teresa as she has this, this missionary's heart to reach her granddaughter and this man. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen. Jeff? Hey,
1: amen, Teresa. Does that help?
3: Yeah, it does. Um, Like I said, when I first heard, I kind of approached it the the forceful way. But then I backed off, and we have had open lines of communication. She tells me some of the things that she believes, which, like you said, are really uh, candy-coated. They're all sweet, wonderful things. Um, And uh, so I try to, in what she tells me that she does believe, like things from the Old Testament, I try to inject Christ into it. And just, you know, just give her the opportunity to hear the gospel.
1: Yeah. One thing you might anticipate, and I'll just share it real quickly. Uh she may have already been told, oh, well, Christianity's no different. There's the Crusades, there's the Inquisition, and they, they bring up these these um, oh I I would say dark moments in Christian history are at least uh questionable. Now, um here's what I say to people. First of all, the first crusade was undertaken to deliver Jerusalem from the attack of Muslim armies. Now, whether or not the, the Pope, I forget which Pope it was, but it was a Pope that put together the army and, and led the, uh, the uh, Christian army to attack the Muslims that were attacking Jerusalem and uh, deliver Jerusalem. And that, that crusade was successful the succeeding crusades, I think uh, not so much. They weren't successful. We didn't win. And I think they, they really got into a a, a, a non-Christian um, mode of thought. What I tell people is when Christians do things like that, like the crusades after the first crusade or the Inquisition where people were tortured and even murdered um, uh, by supposed Christians, uh, to, to get them to confess to certain things and whatnot, um, they were not following the teachings of our founder, Jesus Christ. They were going directly against the teachings of our founder, who taught us to pray for our enemies, who taught us to bless those that curse us, do good to those that hate us, pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. Um, the teachings of our founder were never violent, never. They were not violent. So when you see Christians in church history doing things like the Crusades or the Inquisition, they have departed from the teachings of our Founder. They are not in obedience to what He taught us to do and how He taught us to live. However, when you look at Islam and you look at the, at uh, their attacks on different cities and countries as they as Islam spread in the in the uh, Middle Ages, once it was birthed. Um, They were doing exactly what their founder had taught them to do, because these were the teachings of Muhammad to be violent, to win by violence, to subdue peoples, uh, infidels who did not convert to Islam. So that's the difference. I tell people, look, has the church been perfect throughout history? No. But when it slipped into things like violent things that were wrong, such as crusades and inquisition, they were not following the teachings of Jesus, but when Islam spread by violence, they were doing exactly what their founder had done. So that's the way I would frame it, Teresa, and I hope this helps. And um, thank you so much for calling in. Stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of DVDs or books for calling, and you be blessed there in Hawaii. Maybe you can visit Daryl's church.
2: Well, I'm over what, on the- What island are you on, Teresa? Kauai. Oh, Kauai. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, uh, there's a Calvary Chapel there in Lahui, a couple of them, uh, one in Lahui, another one over in Kapaa, and there's some other wonderful churches. But the, those guys are friends of mine over there. So, uh, yeah, just get into into church, and and you got a lot of good resources out there. And uh, I know you'll be blessed, and we'll just continue to pray. They got a lot of people praying right now for your granddaughter. Thank All you, right,
1: Teresa. Thank you so much. You'll be blessed, and let's go now to. Rita in Richfield, Idaho. Hello Rita. How can we help? Hello, Rita. Are you there in Richfield, Idaho? Rita. Well, let's just move on yes. to Stephen in Culver, Oregon. And uh if Rita comes back on, we'll go back to her. So Stephen, Culver, Oregon. How can we help?
4: My question has to do with the parable of the fig tree, a popular item these days, but specifically with Matthew 24, 34, with the use of the phrase, this generation and these things. Now, I'm misunderstanding, I think, what the word generation means, how am I supposed to understand that?
1: Okay, let me just read it for the listener's sake. It says "This Jesus in uh, his um, Mount Olivet discourse, and he's prophesying, it's the... Longest prophecy of Jesus Christ is Matthew 24 in its entirety and um, powerful stuff. And here he is saying, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, you have to know what has preceded this in context. He has talked about the wars, the rumors of wars. Um, You know, the the persecution, all the things that he warns about uh, in the opening verses leading up to verses uh, 33 and 34. And then he says, this generation. Now, there's been a lot of debate about this. Was did Jesus mean in saying this generation? Did he actually mean this generation as in that generation or the generation that sees all these things? will not pass away till all of these things are fulfilled or take place. So did he necessarily mean the generation he was speaking to at that moment? Uh, there's another uh, mode of thought that he was talking actually about the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Jesus, uh, right here, there's about 37 years from Uh, These words spoken by Jesus that um, Jerusalem was completely destroyed, over a million Jews were slaughtered and the rest of the Jewish people scattered to the four corners of the earth. The mosaic system uh, that had been established and and been in place for all of those generations was completely obliterated along with the temple. Was Jesus referring to that? Uh, I think there could be something to that one. I do think that um, it's worth considering anyway that when Jesus says this generation will by no means pass away till all of this takes place. If you study, for instance, uh, Josephus, many of the signs Jesus spoke of took place prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. There were plagues, there were famines, uh, there was tremendous persecution against the church we all know about. So could he have been talking about that? Could he have been referring to that? I think that's possible. Uh, There are others also who say that this is a double-pronged prophecy, that it had uh, to do with things both near and far away, both near, that some of it pertained to Jesus' generation, and far away, it reached all the way down to our day. Uh, I think there's uh, some I think there's some worth to that uh, view as well. So I don't mean to be confusing. I don't mean to be throwing out a bunch of different possibles, but there are different possibles uh, that I think uh, hold weight. Uh, Daryl, your thoughts?
2: You know, as we look to uh, as you've been sharing about Matthew 24, the Olivet discourse as the great prophetic passage of our Lord Jesus Christ, or one of them, I should say, but as you said, a major one. He started off the the, the the disciples were excited about looking at the temple and the buildings that were there. And Jesus then says, not one stone be left upon another in, in verse 2 of Matthew 24. And I was just in Israel about uh, two months ago. And, uh, of course, whenever we do a tour over there, we see the stones that, of, of the buildings laid all over Jerusalem and so forth. And that it was completely dismantled by uh, Titus in 70 AD, the Roman general who uh, quelched the rebellion. As you said, shared, a million Jews were, were killed, and uh, the city was burned, and the stones were completely removed off of every single building there, as well as the temple itself was destroyed completely. And, and that was the fulfillment of what Jesus was talking about, not one stone be left upon another. Then he proceeded on to, to share with us about what's going to be the signs of the end times. There's going to be many false Christs. He says, don't be deceived. They will come in my name, but don't be deceived. He then talks about the famines and the pestilences and the earthquakes and kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation and so forth. And then he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. And that word sorrow speaks of a woman going to labor. She's pregnant and she's gonna be going into labor and that when a woman goes into labor, labor the pains become more frequent as time goes on and more intense as time gets on to finally there's that birth that will take place and so it is Jesus telling us these events are going to get worse and worse and worse as we progress through history and you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake and there's going to be many false prophets until and the gospel be preached to the whole world until the end and then Jesus catapults us into the seven years of tribulation talking about uh, the uh, the Abomination of Desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel. He says, have an understanding of these things. Go back and learn Daniel chapter 9 and so forth. And then he talks about his second coming. And then he goes into that verse 32, which you're talking about. He says, learn this parable of the fig tree, which it says, when its branches is already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So it's important for us to realize, what is this fig tree all about? He says, learn the parable of the fig tree. Well, it's pretty short, you know, it's pretty short. There's only one verse there. And then he talks about it coming in that generation. Well, we know that Israel is referred to as the fig tree in Jeremiah chapter 24. So it's a symbolism of the nation. And then also he spoke, speaks of it in, in the, through the Jewish prophet Hosea 9.10, again, reaffirming the symbolism of the nation. And Jesus cursed the fig tree uh, there uh, right before he was going to go to the cross and so forth. Why did he curse it and it died? Well, it had no fruit on it. In, in other words, Israel, the nation itself, was not bearing fruit to God, did not recognize their own Messiah, did not study the prophetic scriptures. And so he says they're going to be cursed. And thus, we have the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the diaspora where they're dispersed amongst the nations of the world. But he says, when it begins to bring forth fruit, and it begins, rather, it begins to shoot forth from the earth once again, that fig tree, recognize that I'm coming in that generation. Israel became a nation May 14, 1948. We'll continue after the break. I don't go anywhere. We'll be
1: right back. And I want to continue with your question. It's a great time. We'll be right back with more third-minute an answer in just a moment.
5: So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for healthcare. And here's why: not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people. It's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, They'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited-time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Did you
6: know that over 63 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Preborn has saved hundreds and thousands of precious babies' lives through ultrasound. Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn Pregnancy Clinics.
0: I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often.
6: Preborn Pregnancy Clinics are the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds, by focusing on top abortion states where over 50% of abortions still occur, preborn is there and you can be a part. To get involved, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com.
1: Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, filling in for Mike Kessler. Today with me is Daryl Skinner, pastor of Calvary Church in Pearl Harbor, Calvary Chapel. And uh, I am the pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth. And we've got on the line Stephen. And I want to wrap the question up real quickly, Stephen, with just a couple of quick statements. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 24 is answering two two questions. He, uh, He had just pointed out to the disciples the temple was going to come down. Not one stone is going to be left on another. They ask him two questions. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, notice his, their two questions were both near and far. When will these things be? That is the temple come down. And what will be the sign of the end of the age, which is way future? And so we see in verse 34, Jesus says, surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass till all these things take place. There he's answering the first question by saying this generation. But then in verse 36, he says, but of that day, and that's a, that's a statement that refers to something in the distant future, of that day and hour, no one knows. So he was answering the second question there. So I think Matthew 24 contains both, Stephen, and I hope that
4: uh, I
1: hope this helps.
4: It does help. I've read some commentaries that say that the word generation should be better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's answering those two questions, and it's important to keep that in mind when you're reading the rest of Matthew 24. So it's a a great study. That's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Great question, Stephen. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, stand on the line. We'll get you a couple of DVDs for calling, and you be blessed there in Culver.
4: Thank you very much.
1: You bet. And let's go now to Scott in Baton Rouge. Scott, how can we help?
4: Hello, yes. I was told two different stories and I'm trying to find out what's the meaning behind this. But one was when I was in the 11th grade, my English teacher had told me a story about her elderly father lived with her and he had ended up passing on. Well, he had this rocking chair that he always sat in After he was gone, that rocking chair would start rocking at night, and she said that she would holler, Daddy, stop, and the rocking chair would stop. But then today, I I heard another story from a guy at work that told me about family land. They had a man, this was way back, had lived on this property, formed it, and the house burned down with him in it, he died. And he asked if he can move on that property for a short period of time. And she told him, yes, but there were strange things that happened on that property and not to be alarmed by it. Well, he had moved on it. And then one night he was out there bush hogging and he heard something holler, Hey, he had earbuds in. So he wasn't quite sure what he had heard. So he had stopped the tractor, pulled the earbuds out and he listened. He didn't hear anything. Well, he started back again. He. He said he heard, hey, again, so he stopped and he killed the tractor. And he hollered, hey, back, So anybody out there? And he heard nothing. Well, when he reached down, he's like, maybe I'm just losing my mind. So when he reached down to start the tractor back up, uh, he heard the voice again, said, hey, what are you doing? And it scared him so bad that he cranked the tractor up, turned around, and went back to the house. The next day, he called the lady that gave him the permission to be on the property and told her that he had had an experience and what had happened. And she told him, you were fixing to get in an accident and something bad was fixing to happen. She said that that's happened to other people that's been on that property. Come to find out, he went back out there to where he was bush hawking, and not far in front of him, he found a pile of rebar and other material that he would have ran over. So I'm curious, so is there any truth to this story? Who are these people? Are they family?
1: Okay, Uh, there's a tremendous interest in supernatural in our day. Uh, Witchcraft is proliferating. I read recently a um, lot of interest in UFOs and so on and so forth. Um, our authority and our ultimate source for truth is the word of God. Um, thy word is truth. And so we go to the word of God because we are talking about ghosts. We remember the story of Jesus walking to the disciples on the water. And it says they cried out uh, thinking that they had seen a ghost. And uh, the Greek word phantasm. And uh, they, they thought they had seen a ghost. But it was actually the Lord Jesus. Now, the only other mention of something like that is in the story of Saul. When Saul was totally backslidden and about to die, he went to the witch at Endor. And he asked for her to conjure up Samuel. Well, she did. And the Bible tells us that... Samuel appeared and spoke to Saul. Now, we read that story, and we got to think of two things. One, uh, it doesn't say Samuel was a ghost, a phantasm. It doesn't say that. Um, this was a total exception. There's no other place in the Bible where uh, you find somebody dying and their soul wandering around. The typical kind of stuff we hear is. The person that died had unfinished business on earth and, you know, something needs to be made right or, uh, you know, they're going to haunt somebody until that person makes something right. And so there's a vengeance factor and that kind of thing over here, ghost stories. Uh, But none of that is found in the Bible, not any of it. The only situation, again, is when the the spirit of Samuel apparently appeared to Saul whether or not the spirit was conjured actually by a witch is is unknown we just know that he appeared and he and he accurately predicted the death of saul uh so I, I would be very careful with anything like this because my particular take is a lot of times this is demon spirits i also believe this about ufos i believe the devil is a a deceiver his His modus operandi is to deceive. It is to fool people. It is to uh, put on a mask. It is to mask his true identity. And I think that a lot of times these ghosts are actually Satan tormenting people. I think you gotta be so very careful. Ouija boards, this kind of thing, seances. People believe they've actually called up the souls of dead people. But no, you have actually called up demon spirits You've opened a spirit door uh, to the the black arts, to the dark world of Satanism. And I think you're actually encountering demons. Uh, Your thoughts, Jerry?
2: Yeah, you know, in the scriptures we call, it's known as necromancy, and it is the conjuring up of spirits. And whether you conjure them up or you believe in them, you know, departed spirits, uh, spirits of departed people. It's wrong according to the scriptures in Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 18, Galatians chapter 5, as well as Acts chapter 19, verse 19. And it's not something we want to get involved in. Before I was saved, I got involved in the New Age, and I was dealing with uh, uh, various auras, as well as uh, 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 channeling, as well as also involved with Ouija boards, as you just mentioned, Jeff, and, uh, yeah, the Ouija board spoke to my sister and I that we were in touch with an uncle and so on and so forth. And information was given, which was to confirm that. But truly, it was a demon. Now that I'm a Christian, I became a Christian, I realized I was in touch with demons. And demons are great imposters. They're counterfeiters. And they try to get your uh, your confidence. They try to lead you and guide you to your own personal uh, deceptions and self-destructions, and it's important for us not to get involved in those things and not to believe uh, stories about rocking chairs or stories about this uh, this field and all these different things. We all can imagine many, many things, and and I'm not trying to disprove, uh, just dishearten people about what's going on. But you know, it's important for us to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him only. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we're never to be calling on anyone from the dead or, or imagining that they're uh, their spirit wandering in, in some kind of nebulous space in the atmosphere, and they're just waiting to kind of visit with us and so forth. Those are demons. The Bible says once you die, then comes the judgment. And either people today, either people are going to heaven as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ." or they're going to the place of Hades, waiting for the final judgment to be cast into the lake of fire. And they're not going to be wandering spirits. And this is Bible, what I'm sharing with you, as Jeff has also. And so we just want to encourage you to stay in the Word of God. uh, And we're here to help you grow in, in the faith, but to know that the truth of God's Word is the final authority, and not what people might imagine or think or stories they may share It's important that we realize this is what the Bible says and there's tremendous demonic warfare out there trying to deceive the whole world from believers to non-believers. So hopefully that'll bless your heart, my friend. Jeff?
1: Yeah, Scott, uh, we're not in any way saying your your friends didn't tell a true story. Uh, this, This happened. I'm not casting doubt on that. But what we are saying is you need to consider the source because the source is not the departed soul. You stop and think about if you really believe that, what effect would it have? Well, it would make you fearful. It would make me fearful if I thought, you know, somebody's departed spirit was uh, walking around in my house. Uh, that would not give me a warm fuzzy. That would not uh, give me peace. And so you you stop and think, what does the devil want to do? He wants us in a spirit of fear. He wants us uh, nervous. He wants us on edge. And that's what this would do. So, not questioning the stories of your friends, only the source that they're attributing it to. hope that helps, Scott.
4: Yeah, yes, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I truly believe in God and Jesus, and I believe, you know, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. And I, I'm just so confused about them telling me these stories, and I believed them. I'm like, what is this? So it's demons taking on their, their family members to make them believe that's what they are.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Because it makes you superstitious, it carries you in a direction the scriptures would not carry you, and I think that's really worth considering. You got you to stop and think about the end game. What is what would be the end game of the enemy of our soul if if we were to believe you know the source of what they're attributing it to? Well, the end game would be fear, nervousness, and um, all of that. So I would I would think about that. And uh, but Scott, great call. And uh, share that with your friends, and um, you stay on the line, and we'll get you a Bible, a couple of DVDs for calling in, and be blessed there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right, let's go to Randy in Alaska. Hello, Randy. How can we help today?
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Joe um, Hi Darrell. I hello. listen to your show all the time. Love it. Thank you. Hey, uh,
4: I'm wondering, with Putin taking Ukraine, are we witnessing the beginning days of Gog and Magog?
1: Uh, I, I would be skeptical of that. If you read Ezekiel 38 carefully, um, you've got Gog and Magog. Gog is apparently a person, uh, the prince of Magog. So it's a political ruler of some kind. And uh, Magog is, is the land of Russia. There is no other, no other country to the uttermost north, which is what uh, Ezekiel points to, uh, the land to the uttermost north, and it says they gather around themselves a confederacy of nations. I believe, well, every nation that he names are right now today uh, totally Islamic, and they hate Israel. So it's amazing the way the the, the chessboard is already set in place for this invasion of Israel by a huge number of people from, um, uh, well, from Russia and from these different nations, Iran, um, which ancient Persia and so on and so forth, uh, Turkey, these other nations that are named, and they're gonna come down against Israel. It doesn't mention any kind of um, a preliminary or sort of like a dress rehearsal kind of thing that would take place before this invasion. The invasion happens. When it happens, it is all of these Confederate nations joined with Russia, come down against Israel in a mighty storm, a whirlwind. It it is a sudden kind of thing. What I do think we're seeing with Putin's invasion of Ukraine is we're seeing the personality that Ezekiel said this land to the uttermost north would possess, you know, this this uh, aggression, this hostility, this cruelty, this total disregard for human life, this disrespect for the opinion of other nations of the world. Um, you know, Ezekiel paints a pretty grim picture of Magog, which is the land mass of Russia, and I think what we're seeing, if anything is Russia is displaying the very character traits as a country that Ezekiel said uh, they would possess. So, you know, you look at Putin here. He just decides to attack Ukraine. He has bombed citizens. He has bombed women and children. He hasn't cared one whit for uh, killing innocent lives, for playing unfairly, for breaking international rules. None of that has mattered to him. That's exactly the personality and the character traits that Ezekiel said uh, this this uh, land of Magog would possess. So, if anything, I think we're seeing that. Uh, Randy, uh, your thoughts, Daryl?
2: It's hard to say, uh, as Jeff said, uh, you know is Putin the one that's going to be the leader of this? We we don't know for sure, uh, but you know his aggression uh, has similarities to the aggression we find in the Book of Ezekiel, chapter thirty-eight. But we could have said that about Brezhnev and others, you know Stalin and Lenin, uh, who led the communist revolution and so forth. And it appears that Putin wants to try to reestablish that old Soviet Union, uh, which is not good for the world. So, but uh, we're just not sure. But we do know the Bible says it says in the latter days in Ezekiel this is going to take place. Take place this invasion into the land as it's going to be with the alliance of Russia with Iran with Turkey and the other islamic nations uh, except for uh, Saudi Arabia and probably those that are more sunni and they want to protect their oil because they don't want to jeopardize their wealth and oil that they have that invasion of course will be against the nation of Israel so and when will that when will that invasion take place which is another bit of a mystery it could happen in our era right now it could happen uh, right before the rapture of the church. It could happen right after the rapture of the church. It could happen a little later in the tribulation. We're not totally sure, but we do know it does say it will be in the latter days. So what we're seeing is the forming of the alliance, and we're seeing the Islamic movement, and we're seeing their hatred uh, against Israel. And of course, they're going to go to Israel to take the spoils that the Bible declares. And Israel is, is a prospering nation. And they have these tremendous gas and energy uh, fields that they have found off the coast there in the Mediterranean, and so there are tremendous spoils to be taken by whatever nation tries to overwhelm them. But God will fight for His people and protect them. Jeff, I'll give it back to you.
1: Yeah. So, in, in short, Randy, it, it'll be a pan-Islamic army. Of course, Russia is not Islamic, but uh, does gather around itself uh, Islamic nations. Pan-Islamic army. And the opening salvo will be against Israel, not Ukraine. But again, I would note, and I think it's worth really looking at, that the, the character traits of Russia, you know, a bully. Um, you know, when Russia decided to attack Ukraine, there was no second thoughts. They didn't care anything about what the world thought. They broke international law, continue to do so to this day. Um, now, they are, you know, amazingly losing the fight. Uh, amazingly. Who would have ever thought that they're not doing well? This is not going well for Putin. He's he's really facing international embarrassment. It has not gone his way. Uh, But nevertheless, the character of Russia, the character traits that Ezekiel predicted, hostility, aggression, bullishness, uh, all of these, we've seen all of that with the attack of Ukraine, and that's what we're going to see when they come against Israel. Randy, Hope that helps. It does. Thank you. Will you be blessed, stay on the line, and uh, be blessed there in Alaska, where you've got to be pretty cold. So uh God bless you, Randy, and uh, thanks for calling, stand on the line. I'll give you a Bible, a couple of DVDs for calling. And let's go now to Aaron in Oregon. Aaron, how could we help?
4: Hello, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Dale. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Um, Good. Ahead. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I got a question about the enemy. Um, when he was, uh, I mean, he was the first, I mean, he was the ultimate angel created at the beginning, right? Correct. So what, what well, who or what would be the, the, the thing that tempted Lucifer to rebel against God? I mean, wasn't, wasn't Satan the first fallen one or to be the fallen one, you know, be the one who tempted, um, he would be the one, I mean, he tempted Eve to rebel against God and he was, Something tempted him, right? I mean, am I correct? When we first
1: meet Eve in the Garden of Eden uh, and we meet the devil for the very first time, um, he's a fallen being already. He's already been judged. Uh, He has lost his glory. Uh, His fall has happened prior to the garden. We know from uh, the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel. That the very first sin to darken God's universe was not the sin of Adam and Eve when they ate the fruit that was forbidden, but it was pride in Satan, who apparently was once an archangel. Um, Lucifer means morning star. Uh, he was a an archangel, a cherub of of a, or a cherubim of great glory, great authority, great power. And the Bible tells us that he was lifted up in pride by his own beauty and rebelled against God. He said, I will be like the most high. I will ascend into the place of God and all the things that Isaiah and Ezekiel mentioned. Uh, So pride was the first sin to stain God's universe. And it was done by the devil. Now, of course, God overthrew him, cast him down to the earth. And that's where we meet him later, approaching Eve in the garden to overthrow her as God's crowning creation. He hated God. So that's what happened. That's how Lucifer fell. And the Bible also tells us that he was able to persuade one third of the lesser angels to follow with him. And those are what apparently became what we now call demon spirits a huge multitude of them paul breaks it all down they are principalities powers uh rulers of the darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in heavenly places so there is a hierarchical structure in satan's dark kingdom he's the chief and all the other uh, demon spirits are beneath him in different places of authority and power and so that's how it happened, Aaron, and your, your thoughts, Darren.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, one thing we have to realize as God created the angels, as he's created us, we're all given the freedom of choice. He did not make us robots that we have to serve him. Uh, the angels in heaven had a choice to serve him or not to serve him, to love him or not to love him, to obey him or not to obey him, just as we had that choice in the Garden of Eden and still have that choice today. And so that's what we find. That a third of the angels, according to Revelation chapter 12, followed the influential deception of the devil himself, of what we call Lucifer in heaven. They were convinced that Lucifer could be greater than God, that he will be exalted. And they, too, were deceived, and they followed him in that deception because of their desires for power and and uh, and exaltation. And so a third of the angels followed him. And the rest of the angels did not follow him. They continued to worship God, to obey God, and to serve God. And you see that, of course, throughout the book of Revelation, other places in Scripture. But when Satan came to this earth, of course, mankind then had its choice. And we know the the result thereof, which was Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And then when God sends his only begotten son, uh, what does man do? Oh, we're going to love him? No, we're going to crucify him. Mankind crucifies the Son of God, who gave us nothing but love and grace and mercies and forgiveness, and tell us about how great and wonderful our Creator is, and yet we crucify Him. And today, we still see this constant rebellion against God, and God's still giving us a choice. But yet the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we encourage everybody out there listening, come to Jesus Christ, believe in Him, Trust in him and you'll receive everlasting life. Uh God loves you, He'll forgive you and do a mighty work in you. But this is the choice that the angels had. This is the choice that we have today, and the choice is still going on uh into the future. So hopefully that blesses your heart. Jeff? God help Absolutely. That was awesome. you guys are just you guys are I love you guys. You guys <laughs> I got <laughs> so, God so, bless so you, my
4: the friend. With the pride, like we're talking about of Satan. So it was just all about him being so gnarly, he was created, like, I mean, he was music, he was everything. He was the ultimate angel. So it was with his his own, basically, looking in the mirror saying, yeah, I'm on everything in a bag of chips, right? And I think all, oh, right? Am kind of, right?
1: There were, to, to my understanding, three archangels, Michael Gabriel and Lucifer. And Lucifer is the one that uh, decided he was greater than God, was going to overthrow God. And headed straight up towards the throne of God to do so. Uh, and of course, pride completely blinded him like it blinds us. And he could no longer read the truth of reality anymore. And um, because it was foolhardy to, to think you could go up against God when he's the one that made you. And so he lost his place. And that's how it all went down. And Aaron, great question. And our time is up today. Darrell, thanks so much. Did Thank great, you. As always. And it was great being with you on again, uh, uh, To Every Man and Answer, with you one more time. And everybody, tune in tomorrow for another To Every Man and Answer. Until then, God bless. prayers are with you. Walk with Jesus. And let him give you this peace. See you next time.
0: To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. Or write us, To Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.